back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph Albiero. I'm here with the fantasy phenom, Alex Lott. Say what's up to the people. You hype, man. That was an incredible week of football we just saw. There were some good, some bad, and some ugly in there. I'm hyped, Steph, and I'm glad the two of us made it out without any injuries. You know, after yesterday, I almost fell off my couch a couple times because um, that seemed like to be the narrative of Sunday. A brutal day, man. Just so many injuries. You hate to see it, and it's so tough. You know, fantasy football, obviously, you know, we like to watch these guys. We like to root for and against some of these guys. But when you think about these players working their entire lives to get to this point, it's just it's brutal. And, you know, you and I, as as former athletes in our younger days, you know, it, injuries always sucked. And I can't imagine being on that stage at that level and going down with with something like a torn ACL like Saquon Barkley or Cortland Sutton. So terrible day for injuries. But that means there's a lot to break down for fantasy football. So we have a ton of a ton of content to get into today. Injuries on the offensive side of the ball. Saquon going to be out rest of the season. McCaffrey going to be out four to six weeks. Other guys that got injured that were probably in lineups were Raheem Mostert, Devontae Adams, Paris Campbell, Will Fuller. Potentially, we'll talk about that one a little bit. Sammy Watkins got banged up. Drew Locke hurt his throwing shoulder. That's going to be one to monitor. That's that's pretty sketchy one. Jimmy G with an ankle sprain. Tyrod Taylor with some really bizarre injury. Like I'm a little bit nervous about Tyrod Taylor. He had chest pains. Had to go to the hospital before the game. That's pretty concerning. I hope everything goes well with that. Brashad Perriman got hurt. Cam Akers with a rib injury. So a lot of guys injured here. A lot to break down. I don't want to dehumanize these guys. That. You know, but we need to know from a fantasy perspective, everything we're talking about is from a fantasy perspective, you know, what we need to do, what are the takeaways from some of these injuries. It's one of the reasons like why we all love football. It's a physical game. It's a beautiful game. But part of that is, you know, injury risk um, with the physicality of it. But we're going to go through guys, all the games in somewhat of chronological order, just hitting on the key fantasy things to, to remember notes news everything from those games players to break down let's start with the thursday night football game this was a good one fun to watch it was fun browns won 35 to 30 and man i i love the game script i love the game plan from stefanski which was don't let baker throw the ball too much uh and just let him be efficient let him run play action and let chubb and hunt eat they wore the Bengals down with Nick Chubb and then just finished them off with Hunt at the end with the fresh legs. Any any takeaways from this other than, you know, start Chubb every week? It, it seems like it's going to be pretty game script dependent on when you can start Chubb or Hunt. But in this matchup against Washington week three, I'll probably be plugging both of them in there. Yeah, I'm willing to start either of these guys any week. Chubb and Hunt both have to be in your lineup. And we said this last week, but if you drafted Kareem Hunt, you're probably pretty happy. I mean, I would rather draft Kareem Hunt in the sixth round than Chubb in the second. But it was nice to see Chubb bounce back from that rough week one performance. But the biggest takeaway for me in this game, well, I guess there's two things. One is that if you have a running back playing against the Bengals defense, I think he's got to be a start for you. In week one, we saw Austin Eckler have success on the ground. We saw Josh Kelly have success on the ground. And here in week two, they got absolutely gashed for 215 yards, and it seemed like they could not tackle anybody. That's what led to Joe Burrow and his 61 pass attempts that we'll get into here in a second. But for me, it's one Cincinnati's defense is going to be tough, and that's going to be one of the top streaming targets if you have a running back on the opposing team. And two, on the Brown side of the ball, I'm worried about Jarvis Landry because you laid it out. It's, it's you know, let's run the ball with these two guys, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Let's limit Baker's passing work. 
Baker threw it 23 times in this game in a game where they scored 35 points. OBJ is still going to be the one. It was nice to see him get that deep one into the end zone. Really shook the guy on the double move um, there on that play. And then Jarvis Lander, just three catches for 46 yards on three targets. So if they're going to, you know, limit Baker's um, passing work, and I know the game script was very, very, you know, indicative of that here in this one, they're going to trail in games and they'll have to throw it a little bit more. But to me, Jarvis Landry, I don't even want to flex him um, at this point in the year. So, Steph, are you with me? Are you avoiding Jarvis Landry right now? He's not a full avoid or a fade, but it's one that it's going to be game script dependent. And a week three against – Washington I think I don't know I feel like that'll actually end up being a relatively close game uh, with the Browns ending up taking the win I don't think it's going to be a game script where Washington or Cleveland's opponent goes up big early that's the time that I would want to start uh, Jarvis Landry Odell did have a bounce back six targets four receptions for 74 yards and a touchdown kind of disappeared after the big play uh, but at least you were happy with Odell I'm this passing game, like based off what we saw here, I know with limited sample size, only two weeks, this this team, but it's what we, we saw with Stefanski before the season. Everybody was saying that's all the narratives led us to believe is that this is going to be an extremely run-heavy team. And then just let Baker be efficient on play action. He, was, he had four attempts off play action. All four of them were completions, over 21 yards per completion on those plays. And he had a touchdown off play action. So I think that's going to be, you know, for Baker, he's not going to be the gunslinger we all wanted. He's not going to be what... We have seen from Gardner Minshew, which is what we all wanted Baker to be, a guy who could run around, make plays, figure things out off script. It's just, I don't think we're going to get that from him, but Stefanski's going to play to that, play to those strengths. And, you know, it was interesting, the split between Chubb and Hunt. Chubb was out there for 36 snaps, uh, had 22 rushes. Hunt was out there for 20 snaps and had 10 rushes. Both of these guys had two touchdowns, but on far less usage, Kareem Hunt was just as efficient as Nick Chubb. Chubb had 26 fantasy points, finishes the RB3 on the week. Kareem Hunt, 24 fantasy points, finishing as the RB5. So both of these guys, like they can both eat in the same game script. As long as it's a competitive one, that's one you're going to have to kind of keep in mind when you're plugging these guys in. Pay attention to their matchup on a weekly basis. Let's talk about the Cincinnati side of the ball. Joe Burrow. Get hype, man. If I'm a Bengals fan, I feel great throwing the ball 61 times. He looked so good in this game. <laughs> He looked so good for his second career game, playing from behind. Everyone knows he's passing the ball. He played great. He really did. He had three touchdowns, zero interceptions. So Baker had an interception and only threw the ball 23 times. Joe Burrow threw the ball three times as much and had no interception. So highly efficient for Burrow. He had some great balls. At the current pace that he's going at, this isn't going to happen. But 775 pass attempts is the current pace for Joe Burrow. So super high volume. I know AJ Green didn't convert on the targets that he got. He had 30, 13 targets in this game. What's your concern level for Joe Mixon? Ooh, I'd say on a scale of one to 10, one being not concerned at all, 10 being extremely concerned. I'm at like a a five. You know, I if I have Mixon, I'm not selling because you're probably not going to get the value for him that you should, but I'm not, you know, benching him. I'm not cutting him by any means I, I you know I'm willing to listen to trade offers for Joe Mixon but right now the work is good 16 carries and he had the four receptions but to me I just don't think the offensive line is good enough for Joe Mixon to be hyper efficient I know last year we saw a drastic turnaround as the season went on so the hope is that we see that again in 2020 and hopefully Joe Burrow can get him more goal line opportunities I know he had a couple here in this game but with Joe Mixon it just comes down to you're probably not getting the value where you drafted him like I'd much rather I would much rather have Josh Jacobs I would much rather have Aaron Jones 
Um, a lot of those other names in that territory where you had to take Joe Mixon, you probably prefer at this point. Now, not to say he can't turn it around, and I think he will, you know, once he gets um, more touchdown opportunity and, and hopefully more work in the receiving game. We saw him be really efficient in the first half, and it seems like they just rolled Gio Bernard out for all passing situations in the second half, which was a little bit surprising. So with Joe Mixon, you know, he's a talented guy. We saw him get hit in the backfield on several occasions in this game and turn it into a gain of four, five, six yards. So Hold on to Joe Mixon. Keep him in your starting lineup. Be willing to listen to offers, but don't sell him low just yeah, don't yet. sell him low. Mixon, 46 snaps. Gio Bernard, 42 snaps. So almost a 50-50 split in terms of being on the field. We got to see him used more in, in, in negative game scripts. It was two-minute drill, man. It's Gio and two-minute drill. It's frustrating for anyone with Joe Mixon on their roster to see Gio Bernard getting that much work in the second half. Gio Bernard, seven targets. I get it. Gio Bernard's a team captain. He's been efficient in the receiving game in his career, but Joe Mixon is a very good pass catcher as well. We saw it in the first half of his game, so I don't understand why they're just so locked in on Giovanni Bernard as they're passing downs back when you could get Joe Mixon out there who can do just as much, if not more, in the passing game. So that's what I'm going to be looking for in the future for the Cincinnati Bengals. Steph, let's take that same question, and I'm going to turn it around on you. A.J. Green, you mentioned it, 13 targets in this one, three catches, 29 yards. What is your concern level for A.J. Green, with one being not concerned at all, 10 being extremely It's a one. It's a one. The volume's there. I'm ready. I'm ready for Burrow. And he made it through the injury week. Who would have thought? Wow, I know, right? It's like Jordan Reed, Evan Ingram, and A.J. Green, and James Conner were the only guys not to get injured this week, pretty much. But, no, I I feel great about A.J. Green. I'm actually trying to buy him low in some places. That that volume that he's going to get, he's the first read. If, if over time, as Burrow gets more experience, gets his sea legs in the league, uh, and same thing for A.J. Green, honestly. Guys haven't played in a year and a half, so to see them both coming in, trying to build that connection, I think you're going to see some big things from them season long. And Tyler Boyd, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned on Tyler Boyd, um, but he was on the field in all packages, had an 85% snap share. He's not going to be you know, the super high flying, like top 12 option, but he's going to be a weekly flex yeah. RB uh, wide receiver two type of name. Uh, T Higgins was on the field for 65% of snaps. Interesting one to keep an eye on long-term with him. Uh, we'll keep an eye on this Bengals offense. I think there's going to be a lot of production to go around with Joe Burrow singing as much as he is in some losing game scripts. They play the Eagles in week three. Let's talk about another high flying matchup. Probably the one of the most fun games, at least the, the one o'clock hour. The Atlanta Falcons losing by one. Oh, this one one was great. What a A game. A walk-off field goal. A walk-off field goal. Dallas won 40-39. Also, that onside kick was wild. Why were the Falcons players just staring at the football, letting it go 10 yards? I get it. If you jump on it before 10 yards and you don't handle it properly, then the Cowboys are going to pick it up and maybe they didn't think it was going to get there it was a little bit like I think the announcer said it's like a foul ball in baseball going down the line and they don't think it's going to stay fair and it does it was just a a wild bizarre onside kick and I thought the most Cowboys thing ever would be if Greg Zerline missed that field goal for the win (laughs) fortunately for Dallas fans he put it through and they avoided the 0-2 start Um, Atlanta though a little bit of concern 0-2 to start out the season Steph I don't even know which side of the ball to start out on in this game. Let's start on the Atlanta side because this game started on the Atlanta side and talk about some of these Falcons players. Matt Ryan, monster game, 24 of 36, 273, and four touchdowns. Calvin Ridley, seven for 109 and two. We finally saw Hayden Hurst have a good game. Your deep shot of the week, Russell Gage, six for 46 and a touchdown. If you started him, shout out to Steph on that one. You were very pleased. And then Julio Jones, a little bit of a phantom injury, two for 24 on four targets. 
dropped the bomb that would have been a touchdown from, I think, Russell Gage actually threw that ball. And then last but not least, Todd Gurley, yikes, 21 carries, 61 yards, not a single target. So a lot is here on the Falcon side of the ball. A lot of fantasy football value. Steph, I'll kick it to you. Where do you want to start? Let's start in the passing game. Ridley is just on an absolute tear, man. Two touchdowns a week, 34 fantasy points in week one. This year's Chris Godwin. Ooh, I like that. 30 fantasy points week two. He is. He led with 10 targets in this game. He He's going to be the one to benefit the most from Julio Jones being hurt. And a lot of dropbacks for Matt Ryan. You could tell Calvin Ridley was the first read, and he would get lost you know, by the coverage sometimes, and he would just be wide open. I know one of the touchdowns, he was just back in the end zone, nobody on him. So Ridley, just keep plugging him in. He's an auto start every single week. You're loving the value that you got on Calvin Ridley if you grabbed him in that you know fourth round, fourth, fifth round. Julio Jones, two for four and 24 yards, walking with a limp, monitor the injury. I think this was one that uh, when it came up during the week, we were like, oh, it's Julio Jones. He'll be fine. You know, he shows up questionable from time to time. He's done that a couple of times over the years, kind of like a Julian Edelman type guy where he's questionable, but you know he's going to play and he's always going to produce if he's out there. I think this is one you actually have to play, pay some serious attention to, monitor his practice reports throughout the week. Make sure he gets a full practice in on Friday before you end up rolling him out. If he's out there, you just plug The Julio thing is, Steph, in. if Julio Jones is active next week, you're starting him. Like I have him in our, our home league together and – I don't care if he's out of practice all week. If he's active, I have to play Julio Jones. And I know there's the fear of, oh, it could be like Mike Evans in week one where he's a decoy or like this game where he was playing through something. But it's to me, it's like it's Julio Jones. And if he's active, are you really willing to keep him on your bench? Oh, man. Is it, we're, we're seeing some decoy action this year for some weird reason. I don't know where that's coming from. I feel like maybe we've seen that in years past and I just have some recency bias towards it. But we saw Mike Evans in week one really just get used as a decoy. And then we saw the same thing from Julio. But yeah, I guess you are rolling him out if he's active. And then Russell Gage, man, perfect flex streamer. I'm going to keep talking him up. He, oh, Like yeah. Alex said, deep shot of the week. If Julio's out for whatever reason, Russell Gage, I think it's a massive bump. Had nine targets. Nine targets in a game where Matt Ryan only had 36 attempts. That's a, you know, not a huge math guy. I say that a lot, but that's a 25% target share. Step for Russell Gage. That's insane. You got to feel good. 16.6 fantasy points from him. He did have a touchdown. Almost had a passing touchdown. I think he'll get used in creative ways. And then Hayden Hurst, your boy, you were calling for it. Five receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown, 18 fantasy points. I think he's a weekly tight end starter if Julio is out just based on that situation. Probably a guy that, you know, maybe you have him in another option. You know, maybe you have like a Jonu Smith. Yeah, don't put him in over Jonu. But if you just need a spot start with how much the Falcons are going to pass the ball in the game scripts that they're going to be in. You want Hayden Hurst out there. He's going to have some boom weeks. And I think we saw that this week. Todd Gurley, I'm concerned 64% snap count, 2.9 yards per attempt on 21 rushing attempts. I don't think anyone, any running back could be hyper-efficient behind this O-line, but 2.9 yards per attempt on 21 carries is just brutal. Saw no passing work. Saw no passing work in the game script that should have been all for it. And Brian Hill comes in and gets, what, two targets, two receptions. I I don't know what to do with Todd Gurley. I you know this is concerning. the The lack of passing work is concerning, and twenty one carries is great. That that's what's so hard about it. Twenty one carries is great, but oh man, it's just I'm conflicted on Todd Gurley. I don't own I don't have him in any leagues. Um, so you know I don't know that I'm necessarily going to try to buy low on him. If there's someone in your league that is selling Todd Gurley, they see you know, six points or whatever it is after a mediocre game last week and they're out and they're selling him on the cheap. I don't mind dangling out a couple of bench pieces. Maybe you package a couple 
low upside guys together to get him as long as you don't have to rely on him in your starting lineup. Maybe over these next couple games, we see better efficiency. I mean, 2.9 yards per carry, and this one is brutal, but he is getting the touches. That's the thing. He's a starting running back in the NFL who's getting the touches. The passing work, maybe it increases, or maybe there's a reason L.A. wasn't using him in the passing game last year. That's that's my concern. Could be a, a knee issue. I, I'm telling you, there's something with that knee to where like, he literally can't run passing routes. Like He can't get off the line of scrimmage fast enough. It's got to be something. If you have Todd Gurley and someone comes to you with a legitimate offer that's not lowballing you, I'm willing to accept it. And at the same time, if there's someone in your league that's selling him at an incredibly low price, I'm willing to go get him. Otherwise, you're probably stuck and you just got to hope for the best. Steph, do you feel any differently than that? Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not confident enough to say sell him right now while you can for whatever you can get or go no. buy him low because I just don't know that he's going to turn it around. He's a hold. He's a hold. Yes. Yes. That's how I should have said it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the other side of the ball. Let's talk about Dallas. This is the game script that we all wanted. This was the game we all wanted, really, from this one where... I wish they could play every week. <laughs> <laughs> play the Falcons every single week, Falcons versus, versus Cowboys. But Dak Prescott and Matt Ryan were both top 12 in terms of pass attempts. And we saw a ton of plays in this game. Atlanta went up 29-10 to 10 early. Dak took the comeback trail into his own hands. If you're a... You know, you have Zeke. You're probably a little disappointed because Dak well, had three rushing touchdowns in this game. But... What we've been preaching all offseason long is that Lamb, Cooper, and Gallup can all be productive in this offense. I know Gallup. Gallup's kind of been the odd man out lately. He really has been relegated. Just like I, I thought where CeeDee Lamb's going to get a bunch of the underneath stuff, get the screens, get stuff near the line of scrimmage. Gallup's going to be a pure deep threat. So he's going to be a little bit more boom bust. I think we're seeing that a little bit more than we hoped. But there, every week it feels like there is, whether it's a phantom PI call, whether it's, you know, like there was one where uh, Gallup's elbow barely touched out of bounds and they called him out on that one. If he if he makes that reception, you're looking at, you know, 12 to 14 points as opposed to eight fantasy points. But CD Lamb, Alex, you, you took shots on him in a lot of leagues. I know you did. You got to be feeling happy about 17.5 fantasy points over 100 yards in this game. Feeling good about it. Um, but Gallup, you're absolutely right. He's the odd man out. And I think he's kind of the boomer yeah. bust deep threat in this offense he's the guy they either want to get it in his hands at the line of scrimmage and let him make plays or they want to just take shots deep down the field he had five targets in this game but Gallup right now feels like a player where if he's not getting the long touchdown or any touchdown then you're kind of worried about him because um, I even if he does make a couple big plays it's going to take two or three big plays in a game like a four catch hundred yard game for him to even be worth starting if he doesn't have the touchdown so I'm a little worried about Michael Gallup still a flex play yeah. for now um, I wouldn't, you know, go selling him on the cheap. Just Better yet. days are ahead. Amari Cooper, solid game, six for 100. To me, the two big storylines in this one are C.D. Lamb, six catches for 106 yards on nine targets, actually dropped a touchdown that was a bit of an underthrow by Dak as well. So that game could have been much bigger. C.D. Lamb's on the field a ton for this Dallas Cowboys offense. They're running three wide receiver sets seemingly every single play. <laughs> so Lamb, if you have him, I, I've started him two weeks in a row, and he's been great for me. He's he's a flex play. He's a flex play with more upside um, if he breaks you know a big play for a touchdown or scores and the other storyline for Dallas Steph is Dalton Schultz Blake Jarwin out for season we you know made some jokes about Schultz in week one had a couple drops comes out in this one nine catches 88 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets Led the is team Dalton in Schultz targets. someone you were willing to stash on the end of your bench I think he is worth a deep stash especially if you're a guy like I me. think so as well and you had Blake Jarwin like, I was plucking in Logan Thomas last week. I might look at Dalton Schultz as another 
Just just based on the situation, I don't know a ton about the guy's talent. I wasn't in love with his talent based off of his you know first game when he came in for Jarwin. But I mean, he led the team with ten targets, twenty one fantasy points. He's at worth. He's at least worth considering. Stash him on the end of your bench if you are in a a tight end desperation situation. So let's go ahead and move on to the two and zero Chicago Bears <laughs> uh, taking on the New York Giants, seventeen to thirteen. A really ugly game here. Steph, my guy, Daniel Jones, is looking rough so far. I think in week one he made some good plays, and this one there was not not much to take away, you know, as far as good plays go for Daniel Jones. So hopefully he can turn it around. The big storyline here, Saquon Barkley going out with that torn ACL. We hate to see it, but Steph, what's the answer for the New York Giants? You know, are any of these running backs worth picking up? I know they have Deion Lewis there. They have Wayne Gallman, and as of the time of this recording, they're bringing in Devonta Freeman for a workout. Um, in the next couple of days, we'll probably see if they sign him or not. By the time you're listening, they might have him on the squad. Steph, what is the answer for the New York Giants, and are any of these running backs worth rostering? I think if you're going to stash anybody, it's Devonta Freeman. Don't go out and blow your fab on Deion Lewis. I think Wayne Gallman would actually be the more interesting one. He's definitely out on waivers. But, I mean, I really don't want to touch any of these guys. The Giants' offensive line isn't open up, opening up holes for anybody. Um, really, I think the biggest beneficiaries are the guys that are going to be in. And, and Shepard's out as well. I don't know if we talked about that. So, Saquon in. Saquon out rest of the season. Shepard out for the next couple of weeks. So, I think the real beneficiaries here are Evan Ingram and Darius Slayton. I think Golden Tate is another high-floor option that you can plug in on a weekly basis. Who could, if he gets the touchdown, give you that upside? So, the matchups are brutal for New York. They do face a banged-up 49ers defense, but, I mean, they they started the year with Pittsburgh, Chicago, and then San That's Francisco. Tough. So I think things are going to open up for them. I'm very keen on Darius Slayton. He may even be a guy. That, I don't know if you can buy him on the, on the cheap, but why not You know, send a few feelers out, see if you can get him on the low, because I think he's a super high upside guy and the guy that's – like we've seen that rapport building time and time again, and if this offense isn't going to be able to run the ball, it's going to be garbage time. It's going to be Danny Dimes slinging it out, and it's going to be Darius Slayton taking him to the house. So I like Slayton a lot uh, rest of season. I'm probably not even fading these guys in that 49ers matchup. They lost Nick Bosa. Uh, Richard Sherman is on IR. So they're not the scary 49ers of old. They still think they're going to be a stout defensive front. But but they're secondary. Like I, I think Slayton's going to be able to put up numbers just like he did against Pittsburgh. Are you with me on this in terms of the Giants rest of the season? Yeah, I agree. Tough schedule. I don't know how confident I'm going to be rolling them out against San Francisco. I mean, I'm not wanting to start any other running backs. I would be probably willing to start Darius Slayton or Golden Tate or Evan Ingram in that game. I don't think much changes for them with these injuries. You know, there's the narrative that Daniel Jones could funnel the ball to them more. So maybe Slayton, Tate, and Ingram get a, a slight bump. Um, but outside of that, you know, I, I'm with you on the running backs. At, at You know, if you're listening to this and Devontae Freeman has signed with the Giants, I think he's worth a waiver pickup. If not, I wouldn't put a ton of fab on either Deion Lewis or Wayne Gallman. Happy to stash him on the end of my bench, see which one sticks, but not wanting to start either of them this week. Steph, let's flip to the Bears' side of the ball. Mitch Trubisky. He did just enough, man. 18 of 28, 190 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns, two picks. A, a weird low-volume game here. The Bears' D played very, very well. David Montgomery is back. You know, he's not showing any signs of that injury. 16 carries for 82 yards through the air, three for 45, and a touchdown. Allen Robinson struggles here. Three catches for 33 yards on nine targets. Um, and, Brutal. you know... <laughs> I'm looking for Anthony Miller here. Can barely even find him because zero for no. zero on three targets. Miller so. Miller is a total cut candidate. He's in a timeshare. He's splitting it with Darnell Mooney. He's splitting it with 
I don't even know, Jimmy Graham. Like he, And his quarterback is Mitch Trubisky on a team with a good defense that likes to run the ball. So I'm with you. I'm fine to cut Anthony Miller. Let's talk about Allen Robinson. I think you're going to agree with me here, Steph. Allen Robinson still saw nine targets, low-volume game, was a good game script for the Bears. They jumped out early. Allen Robinson is going to be fine. I am, I'm happy to buy low on him. I'm happy to keep him in my starting lineup. I'm not selling Allen Robinson yet. Steph, what do you think? I'm with you 100%. What's nice is in week three, A-Rob goes up against the Atlanta Falcons. So great matchup. If we're ever going to see it pan out, we're going to see it here in week three when they play the Falcons in what should be a high-flying uh, matchup. I mean, every time somebody's against the Falcons, it's like you got to put up because you know the Falcons are going to put up 35 plus points. So exactly. you're looking from the other side of the ball too, and they're going to be able to move the ball with with the Falcons defense. So uh, a Rob, just keep holding on. Don't let the first two weeks scare you. We were saying for a lot of guys after week one, like just don't let that first week just totally you know cause you to make them a fade and make a bad start sit decision. Just keep plugging Allen Robinson back in there, and then let's talk about the running backs. For uh, Chicago, David Montgomery, you said he looked great. He was getting great yards after the catch. 5.1 yards per attempt on 16 carries, so had 82 yards on the ground. Uh, was getting some passing game working out a touchdown through the air, which was a, a incredible breakaway run, a 28-yard touchdown run after making a reception. So David Montgomery, keep plugging him in. Fire him up as an RB2 whenever he is out there. I know we saw Tariq Cohen get paid, but he's nothing. He, he's a cut candidate to me. I, I think he's awful. I don't think I'll cut him yet. If you're in a you know a 10-team league, maybe you cut him. 12-team league, 14-team league, I'm going to put him on my bench, but I, I don't want to start Tariq Cohen at all. To me, he's nothing more than a PPR. If you have someone that's hurt or someone on a bye week, you can plug him in for a week. But if Tariq Cohen's in your starting lineup every single week, you got some problems <laughs> and you might need to move some things around because this is a perfect example. David Montgomery even left this game with an injury for a short time and came back, and we still saw you know Cordero Patterson get – Cordero Patterson's the backup to David Montgomery. Tariq Cohen is like James I'm White out. light. I'm out. I'm out on Cohen. I, honestly, I'm not even going to burn a roster spot. Fair, fair. If you have Cohen, get a better running back. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on this stuff. I don't want to talk about the Bears too much. Let's go to a, a Packers Lions game that saw a lot more offense. 42 to 21, Green Bay with the dub. <laughs> there are two big storylines in this game for me. One, Aaron Jones. Holy smokes. He picked up right where he left off from last season with these fireworks. And then two is Devontae Adams leaving the game with a hamstring injury. Steph, we were talking about this before we started recording. Both of us as big Adams truthers and guys who you know roster him in several leagues, we're both hopeful that this is a hamstring is, is feeling a little tight rather than being you know the Julio Jones experience and trying to play through it and struggling. We got a big lead. Let's pull him out, rest that hamstring, not experience a setback, and get him back out there for next week. So more to come on that Devontae Adams injury. Stay tuned throughout the week, see what his practice participation looks like and things like that. We saw Devontae Parker last week leave the game with an injury and still put up a good performance this week. So he could be fine. Just stay really, really close to that if Adams is on your roster. But, Steph, let's talk talk about Aaron Jones. 18 carries, 168 yards, two touchdowns. And then through the air, four catches on eight targets for 68 yards and a touchdown. Had this like Randy Moss high point catch as well. Looked like a wide receiver. How hyped are you for Aaron Jones? And can he keep this up, uh, you know, for the rest of the season? Obviously not going to have a performance like this. But where is where is your gut at with Aaron Jones? This is why, you know, especially towards like the, the closer we got to actual drafts, I was saying smash on Aaron Jones over Austin Eckler for this real reason because – you know, we look at the progression. We look at all the statistics. The I think we, at this point, we just have to realize the Packers are just going to be a statistical outlier. 
And you're going to see these massive explosion games no matter what. Even if it's not 19 touchdowns, you're going to see him put up these massive weeks. The crazy thing about Aaron Jones and his production is he was on the field for less than 50% of snaps. Just extremely efficient. And really the theme that we've seen with Aaron Jones, especially last year, was when Devontae Adams was out for those five or so games the, the wide receiver, too, essentially was Aaron Jones. I think we're going to go back to that. If Adams misses any time, even more of a premium on Aaron Jones. I had him in some DFS lineups, racked up some screw for me there. So I was happy to see that. Aaron Jones, just keep plugging him in. He's, he's a solidified RB1 as far as I'm concerned. I don't know why, if you're Matt LaFleur, you just you know make Aaron Jones a full-time workhorse back. Forget about Jamal Williams, who had like 54% of snaps in this game. Just silly. Like it, it's, it's Aaron Jones time. And... The other Aaron on the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, he was a start of the week for me. He was solid. Solid game. 19 fantasy points. Really didn't throw really a Really solid ton. week. Yeah, he only threw the ball, you know, 30 times, which, I mean, that that's better than what we saw last season from Rodgers. So, I think he's a guy, depending on the game script, you can plug him back in. This week, they play against the Saints. So, they'll probably need uh, Rodgers to do a lot with that stout run D. So, I'm okay with just keep plugging in Rodgers as a streamer if you don't have any other better options. And, and are you interested, last thing we'll talk about here from this game, on the Green Bay side of the ball, is Alan Lazard a flex for you when and if Devontae Adams is out? Uh, yeah, if Devontae Adams misses time, I think both MVS and Alan Lazard are in play for the flex. I mean, Lazard had the big game last week, comes back with three catches for 45 yards on five targets in this one. But don't forget, last week, Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling had the long touchdown catch, a very solid performance. This week, he comes back with three catches for 64 yards on seven targets. So he's really the deep ball threat. And uh, I think a higher ceiling option at this point than Alan Lazard mm. certainly has a lower floor, but he's seeing more targets um, and yards in this offense right now. So, you know, I'll need to get into the film and see exactly how he's being used, take a closer look at the snap counts from week one and two, but the targets are there. And that's what you want to see from your receivers. You know, we've got the Patriots having Damier Bird. I know he had a better game this week, but he's on the field. Like I remember in week one, he was on the field for like 88% of snaps. But he saw, I think, you know, a couple targets and had zero catches. So you you can't just look at snap counts. You also have to see when you're on the field, are you getting utilized? Um, and MVS certainly is. And t- I want to ask you a couple of tough questions here on Aaron Jones. And now that we've seen two weeks of this, you know, NFL season, would you rather have Aaron Jones or Derrick Henry? I'm still going with Henry. Henry's volume is so secure. He's going to... What we saw with Henry is the efficiency start off slow. This is the same thing we saw last year. The efficiency starts off slow, and as the season goes on, defenses get down. We're in uh, you know colder outdoor games. That's when Henry goes nuts. So we haven't seen the massive breakaway plays. I think they're coming for Henry. Certainly when you give a guy you know 35 attempts, 35 touches in a game, he didn't get any passing work Henry did, where maybe that's the premium for Jones is that he's going to get all this efficient pass volume. Uh, but I'd still go Henry there. But let's move to the line side of the ball here, Steph. Stafford, 20 for 33, 244, two touchdowns, one pick. The rushing situation is, I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, AP, seven carries. on Johnson, eight carries. DeAndre Swift, five carries. on Johnson was the one that got the touchdown this week. And then you just never know who who's the guy, you know, on this line, in this line's backfield. And through the air, Kenny Galladay still out. So I don't want to take too much away from this but we did see tj hawkinson with another decent game four catches for 62 yards deandre swift did have the five catches for 60 yards so if anything if the rushing situation is going to be a little bit convoluted it's nice to see swift you know at least getting the consistent passing downs work and he's going to have value there 
Quintez Cephas, I don't want to buy too much into because no. he's clearly a, a Kenny Galladay replacement. And then Marvin Jones, four catches for 23 yards and one touchdown in a game where Kenny Galladay was out. I think Marvin Jones has disappointed here with this you know, couple-week opportunity as the one. So, Steph, on the Detroit side of the ball, what are you doing with this backfield? Are you, are you starting Swift yet, or are you still a little bit too nervous to put him in your lineup? Swift is going to be a desperation play. If, if the game script calls for it, I think he'll get some decent passing work. But as soon as Kenny Galladay comes back, that's when I think we'll really have clarity. I'm kind of out on this offense until Kenny G is back. Uh, we're seeing Matt Stafford struggle at 17 fantasy points. If you plugged him in, he didn't totally kill you, but you can do better. You can do better from a fantasy quarterback, especially when we have Ryan Tannehill and Ryan Fitzpatrick putting up over 20 points a week. Like, it, just don't don't put out Matt Stafford. I know we loved him in, you know, double-digit rounds in a lot of our drafts. Just without Kenny Galladay, we can't really see truly what this offense is. I think once we see that, and I mean, Adrian Peterson's running pretty efficiently. So, kind of weird that they abandoned the ground game, especially when they went up 14-3 in the first quarter. Uh, but Green Bay was on that comeback trail shortly after that in the second. So, it's one where I'm trying to avoid a lot of these guys. I'm still okay to plug Marvin Jones in as a flex uh, as long as Kenny Galladay yeah. is out because he's going to be their you know the best guy I'm, to have I mean Detroit Detroit has Arizona next week and word on the street is that Kenny Galladay is going to be active for that game so if people are disappointed with Matt Stafford after these two performances and you're streaming quarterbacks this year I'm fine to pick up Stafford at Arizona which you know should be a, a higher scoring game a higher over under if he gets Kenny Galladay back that's going to be huge for him and this offense there's going to be a lot of points in that game so I'm with you there a hundred percent but Steph, let's go ahead and move on to a game that I've been dying to talk about. It is the Rams 37, the Philadelphia Eagles 19. And Steph, can you take a, a wild guess at why I'm excited to talk about this game? <laughs> it's Tyler Higby season. It's Tyler Higby season. Let's go. Tyler Higby showed out in this game. Every single time Tyler Higby scored a touchdown, my phone blew up with people just, you know, saying Higby because I've been talking this guy up all offseason. Five catches for 54 yards and three touchdowns in this game. Absolutely love to see it. And to be honest with you, Steph, this was a low-volume game for Jared Goff. Only threw the ball 27 times. The Rams were out in front for the majority of this game. Tyler Higby's day was really saved by the touchdowns. I expect Higby to be much more of a threat this year with volume rather than touchdowns. But, man... The touchdowns were great to see in this one. And if you took him in those middle rounds, like I told you to, hopefully you pulled out the win this week. But Steph, I think Higby is a hold and a start at this point. So start. not a lot of additional conversation there. Let's talk about the big question mark on the LA Rams side of the ball. It's not Robert Woods. It's not Cooper Cup. You're continuing to play those guys each and every, every week. week. Both had a solid game here. It's the running back situation. I mean, we got Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, and Cam Akers. Malcolm Brown had the big pop performance in week one. Cam Akers, we thought he might get worked up, and he went out with a rib injury in this one, something to keep an eye on. But Daryl Henderson was the star of the show this week. 12 carries, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Added two receptions for 40 yards. Steph, what are we doing with this L.A. Rams running back situation? <laughs> if you can at all, you're trying to avoid it. I think it's just it truly is going to be a <laughs> hot-hand approach, just like Sean McVay said. You know, we, we talk about coach speak, which coaches are reliable, which ones aren't. So far, McVay has been one where you can take his word for what he's going to do. He said this is going to be a three 
uh, headed monster, a full three running back committee. And so far, that's what we have seen. He even said, McVay did, after last week that Henderson's going to get worked up more. He ended up being the star on the show in this one. 12 carries, 6.8 yards per attempt and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, and even saw you know three targets through the air, was able to get 40 yards out of those and two reception as well. So you were happy with Henderson. If you happened to plug him in, you probably didn't. Both of these guys, I think, are just desperation RB2s. If you're in a you know maybe a 14-team league, you need a spot start. Uh, fine, why not? Uh, in the right game script, I think both guys will be viable. But if I can help it, I'm trying to, to, to avoid them at all costs. Yeah, I agree. If you were in on Cam Akers and you took the risk on him, I don't know what the what the injury is going to look like. I don't know how much time he's going to miss. You know, at the time of this recording, we don't have any additional information. So keep an eye on him throughout the week. If he's active as early as this week, I don't want to start Cam Akers. My guess is he could miss a couple of weeks. Still don't know. I'm no doctor. So keep an eye on Cam Akers. And really, you know, I'm tracking the Akers injury more if I have Daryl Henderson or Malcolm Brown, because if all three are active, I don't feel good about starting any one of these guys. But to your point, Steph, if if Cam Akers does miss time, I know Malcolm Brown left at the end of this one with a finger injury, which is actually why Daryl Henderson got that late touchdown run. But if I have Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson and you're out of options, you had guys go down this past week. They're worth, you know, they're a high-end RB3 or a low-end RB2 in a desperation situation in a good matchup when Cam Akers isn't active. So a lot of qualifiers there for you to be starting <laughs> Daryl Henderson or Malcolm Brown. Personally, I have Malcolm Brown in our, on my roster in our, in our league, Steph, and didn't start him week one, started him week two, and I got a little bit burned. And it's a situation where moving forward, I had Lev Bell on my team. So if I'm in a pinch and, and Cam Akers is out, I could be forced to start him as an RB2. Uh, it's just a situation where you roll him out there, hope he gets you know 12 to 15 carries, and he's the guy that gets into the end zone that week. So I, I'm with you. I, I hope I'm out on the Rams running backs, but if you have one, you're probably stuck. And if you can trade one for any bit of value, I think that's a trade you should make. Let's talk about the Eagles side of the ball. My guy, Miles Sanders, he's back and he's up and at him. He saw 83% of the running back rushes and over 70% of the team's targets in this game. That status courtesy of J.J. Zachariason. Sanders had 20 carries in this game. Uh, he had a touchdown on the ground, 4.8 yards per attempt, so just as efficient as he was last season. And that was second on the team in targets. That's where all the value comes from with Sanders, why I was preaching him as a top 12 option. I'm still going to plug him in on a weekly basis, operating as if he is a top 12 option because he just saw seven targets in this game. That was second most on the team, only behind Deshaun Jackson, who had nine. That was the same as Zach Ertz. Oh. Look down a little bit. Oh, Look down shoot. a little we'll, bit, Steph. Dallas Goddard had eight. We'll we'll talk about Goddard in a second. We'll talk about Goddard in a second, but my bad. Tied for third with Ertz. But essentially what you're getting from Miles Sanders is a running back and a wide receiver mixed into one. I know he didn't have a, you know, he didn't complete all those checkdowns. He had seven targets of the air. Caught three of them for 36 yards, but that's why you're going to want to plug in Sanders and he's going to get the goal line work. Boston Scott is pretty much a drop at this point or a you know high value handcuff if you're a Sanders investor. He's not really a guy that you want. Only four carries this game and you know three targets. So this is the Miles Sanders show. Looks like all the narratives, preseason, everything that Doug Peterson and Deuce Staley and all these guys were saying before the season that Miles Sanders is going to be our no question workhorse back is coming true. If you had Sanders, you were probably tilting a little bit uh, week one when he wasn't in the game, but now he's back and he looks healthy. Hamstrings are good to go. So keep plugging in Sanders. This is why we're telling you to grab him everywhere. And if the Eagles are going to be in these losing game scripts, I think you're going to see even more of the same from Miles Sanders. That O-line has a lot to be concerned about. Uh, and Carson Wentz putting up some stinkers. 
with his weapons, is there anybody that you really like? Like Deshaun Jackson, nine targets, six receptions, 64 yards. I think there's better days ahead for Deshaun Jackson as long as he's healthy. He's worth a just a, a upside flyer shot. He was fine in this game, 12.4 fantasy points if you had him in your flex. Let's talk about Dallas Goddard, though. Eight targets, four receptions. This is like this is like a theme at this point. Goddard out-targeted Zach Ertz. He has eight or more targets in the last six games that Dallas Goddard has played. I'm trying to buy him everywhere. Dallas Goddard is a legit thing. He is. He is a thing. This is not an outlier anymore. I think we're at the point where you got to say, like, Goddard, he's younger. He's more explosive. I think at this point, he's better than, than Zach Ertz. Like, Zach Ertz has that rapport with Wentz, but Goddard is a guy that Wentz feels comfortable you're throwing a 20-yard bomb to in the back of the end zone. So I'm if you have Dallas Goddard, congratulations. Um, he's a guy that I think you can just keep plugging in at your tight end spot. With you how got Zach Ertz in the 14th round. Congrats. <laughs> it's pretty much. Pretty much. Try to get Dallas Goddard in Dynasty if you can. His value is probably too high at this point. But he's going to be absolutely dominant. I don't think they're going to re-sign Ertz after this year if Goddard's playing the way that, that he has. Agreed. And man, those eight targets are nice. And like this, this Eagles team is 0-2. They look really, really rough so far, Steph. And with Carson Wentz, I want to circle back to Wentz here just for a second. He's been pretty bad here in the first Mm -hmm. two games. I don't think it's all necessarily his fault. He's had some of his weapons in and out of the lineup. The offensive line has been absolutely atrocious. But this game was just terrible for Carson Wentz. And I'll tell you this, Steph, if they had a tougher matchup next week, I would say I'm done. I'm dropping him and I'm streaming a quarterback. But the Eagles have the Bengals in week three. So I'm willing to give Carson Wentz one more chance as my starting quarterback in week three. And if he can't put up a good fantasy football performance against the Cincinnati Bengals, I think you can cut him. I think you can cut him or keep him on your bench and hope some more of his weapons get healthy and some of the offensive linemen get healthy. I know a couple of them have already been ruled out for the season. But if he doesn't show out against a weak Bengals team, and that's three straight tough weeks for Carson Wentz to start out the season, I think you can stick him on your bench or cut him and go ahead and start streaming, guys, because this has been absolutely terrible for Wentz. None, I don't think any of these pass catchers, quite frankly, have the value that you drafted him at at this point because you know maybe Dallas Goddard's the only one because you got him so late in your draft. But outside of that, I guess you have to start Zach Ertz, but he's not returning on that third or fourth round value. Deshaun Jackson's been hit or miss. I know he had a decent game in this one. But Jalen Rager, four for 41 on four targets. He's not quite there yet. He's developing. Boston Scott, you mentioned him as a cut candidate. There's no one else. Greg Ward, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, they're nothing. So, I mean, Miles Sanders, you're starting him every week. Dallas Goddard, you're pretty pleased with. Zach Ertz, you're not pleased with, but you're probably still having to start him. And outside of that, I think everyone else, you know, I'm not touching. I'm not coming near. So, Steph, am I off there? Are you out on Wentz just like I am? Yeah, like – Week one, 13 fantasy points. Week two, 12.3 fantasy points. This is make or break. And I'm not I'm not plugging them in. I'm really not. There's so many guys that you can stream, especially this week. Like, I'd rather plug in Burrow against the Eagles than I would Carson Wentz against Cincinnati <laughs> just, just for this week because I want to see if there's anything left from Wentz. Maybe he returns to, to, you know, potential MVP form against a week uh, uh, defense in Cincinnati. But this is going to be the Miles Sanders show as far as I'm concerned. Let's move over to... The Carolina-Tampa Bay game. The Panthers lost this one 17-231. Let's start on the Panthers' side of the ball. Christian McCaffrey supposed to miss four to six weeks with an ankle injury. 
Mike Davis is probably my number one waiver pickup of this week. He was a guy that was able to come in and have a three down workload. Are you with me on that? Yeah, I, you know, I think Mike Davis is the clear ad. <laughs> if you look at the box score, you're going to see Mike Davis pop off the page in the receiving game. Eight catches for 74 yards on eight targets. I know there was a pass-heavy game script at the end of this one. He only had one carry for one yard. But, Steph, I do think he is the most you know safe and consistent waiver-wire option for one of these running backs. Like I'd much rather have Mike Davis than Deion Lewis or Wayne Gallman. One thing I'll say on the Carolina side of the ball is that I think Curtis Samuel could see some additional usage with McCaffrey going out, use him in the screen game, get him the ball near the line of scrimmage, might even get some carries as well. He had four carries in this game. So keep an eye on Curtis Samuel. If you still had him on your bench and stashed him, keep an eye out, see what his usage looks like next week. And if he's on the waiver wire, I'm actually happy to go ahead and have a sneaky pickup of Curtis Samuel just to see what he does as well. But I'm with you that Mike Davis should see the biggest increase in, in role, in workload, should see volume in the passing game as well. So in PPR formats, I think Mike Davis is a very worthwhile waiver pickup this week, and he's going to be at the top of my list. And the pass catchers too. It looks like DJ Moore had the game that uh, we wanted from AJ Green with 13 targets. He was able to convert those into eight receptions, 120 yards. He was on the field for 63 snaps. Robbie Anderson, though, was right behind him. Robbie Anderson is showing out. 54 snaps, only 10 fewer, actually nine fewer than DJ Moore. Ran just as many routes, had 10 targets, caught nine of them for 109 yards. So Robbie Anderson, I thought he was going to be this you know, pure deep threat like we saw him in New York, but he was actually getting some looks in short and intermediate routes. Robbie Anderson, playmaker. Looks like Matt Rule likes this guy, wants to get him the ball. I'd say go ahead and pick him up if he is available in your league. He's going to be a guy that you can start, I'm not going to say on a weekly basis, but with the game scripts that this team is saying, it might be so. And if he's able to to, to take one to the house like he has with his insane speed, um, you're going to be pretty pleased, I think, more often than not with Robbie Anderson. Steph, it's so difficult because, like, this Panthers team, Teddy threw it 42 times in this game after throwing it a ton last week. And DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson weren't having great games, and they were just in such a pass-happy game script that they got so much garbage time in the fourth quarter of this game. It's and it's like, theme. no, I don't necessarily want to say that's going to be an every week thing and I don't want to rely on it. But like garbage points count the same in fantasy football as if it happened in the first quarter. This Carolina Panthers defense is absolutely terrible. And now with McCaffrey out, I think they're going to lean on the passing game even more. So DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are going to see volume. I believe that to be true. And I think Teddy's going to keep throwing the ball. Teddy was 33 of 42 for 367 yards yeah. in this game. No touchdowns, but two interceptions. You know, a lot of people are already criticizing Teddy. I don't think a lot of a lot of this game was, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's fault. I know he had to fumble the two picks. Those are mistakes he needs to clean up. He needs to protect the ball a little bit more, but a really high completion percentage. He's being forced to throw the ball a ton. I think Teddy Bridgewater has still got the capability to be a good quarterback for this football team. And I think later in the year, they play the Chargers next week. So I don't know if I'm willing to stream Teddy in that game. But if the pass attempts are going to continue to be 40 to 50 a game, I think Teddy's going to be a viable streamer later on this season. We're talking about it during the offseason for Teddy Bridgewater. He's going to be a viable streamer option. Like you said, wait till after this week, but he's going to be out there on waivers and you can grab him. We haven't seen a guy finish outside of the top 13 quarterbacks that had more than 600 pass attempts in like over a decade. So if he's going to throw it this much, and it seems like this is going to be a recurring theme, that that Carolina defense is not stopping anybody. Keep plugging them in. And I'm, I'm firing up DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. If, Robbie Anderson, if I'm in a tight spot, DJ Moore, no question, uh, next week against the Chargers. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay side of the ball. 
Tom Brady, I mean, I feel like he's, we're, we're making excuses for him. He hasn't had that, you know, Tom Brady game yet. I think part of that is the growing pains. We assume just because, you know, Brady's won six Super Bowls, like he's just going to join a new team, new offense, new scheme, new players at every single position, and he's just going to be great right off the bat. That is not what we're seeing here. No, you're right, Steph. Let's summarize real quick so we can just jump into this running back situation because we might spend some time on it, but Mike Evans is starting him. Chris Godwin, you're starting him. Not really interested in the other receivers. You're cutting Gronk. You're not picking yep. up OJ Howard. You're probably holding Tom Brady and hoping for better days unless there's a better streaming option on waivers. So the Bucks are pretty clear cut for me. The murkiness comes with this running back group. Oof. I had to pour one out for Rojo this week because he started out the game great, had the touchdown. I'm thinking, okay, my start of the week, a weak Panthers defense. Rojo gets the touchdown. This is the guy he could get into the end zone again in this game. And Steph, it all came crumbling down on that fumbled exchange between Tom Brady and Ronald Jones. Oh. And when that happened, something inside me knew that Ronald Jones was done. And if you look at this game, Leonard Fournette took over from there and went off. 12 carries for 103 yards and two Ooh. touchdowns. Had the breakaway at the end of the game. So that was a bit of an anomaly, but it was a great run by Leonard Fournette. Had the speed to get it done as well. Um, you know, got work in the passing game, four catches for only 13 yards, but on five targets. So, Steph, what are we doing with this Bucks backfield? I have Ronald Jones on a lot of my rosters because I drafted before they brought in Fournette. You know, Leonard Fournette, LaShawn McCoy, Ronald Jones, all getting snaps. What are you doing with these three guys? Leonard Fournette, he finishes the RB2 on the week. Uh, I know we're talking before the Monday night game, but so far he is the RB2. 44% of snaps in this game. So was extremely efficient with the work that he saw when he was out there. They were getting him the ball and he did have some some receiving work as well. It wasn't like they were just using him as a, you know, a bruiser back on the goal line. He had five targets and caught four of them. Uh, wasn't efficient through the air, just like we saw in Jacksonville, but he was nonetheless getting that volume. He's going to be a track down option for TB12. And then Sean McCoy, 18% of snaps. Pretty surprising. He was getting a lot of the passing work there. He did end up... Seven targets. He, he did end up dropping a touchdown reception. We'll see if that ends up getting him off the field. And then Ronald Jones, 35% of snaps and looked, like you said, looked great. But he was taken off the field and then Fournette just came in and looked fantastic. I think with that... Essentially, what we're getting with the Buccaneers is what we saw last season, where it's it's Ronald Jones and another playmaker. Last year was Peyton Barber. I think Fournette fits into that Barber role, and I think Fournette's going to be much better with it. With some of the breakaway runs, like a 46 breakaway run from Leonard Fournette, it's going to be hard for them to make him anything but the 1A to Ronald Jones 1B, if not the clear number one workhorse. It's one to just keep an eye on, but with Fournette being able to make plays and opening things up for an offense that that is struggling, that you can tell like they feel like they should be doing much, much better, and they're eyeing out a lot of the kinks. I think Fournette might actually end up being kind of the, you know, the stable, like, let's just keep him in here. He's the one guy that, you know, we, we know we can hand the ball off to 15 plus times and can be out there on every single down on the field. I think they're going to rely on him more than we probably want, especially for you as a, a Ronald Jones investor. I like Fournette. I'm willing to plug him in next week. Not a guy that I'm going to go out and buy because I don't know if he's going to be the one season long. Now, how are you feeling about this backfield? I'm with you. I think this is going to be tough. And if you have Ronald, it's, it's literally one of those situations where you don't feel great about starting either one of them and you're just flipping a coin and hoping you pick the one that has the good game and the touchdown because I think there's still going to be games this season where Ronald Jones is going to be the hot hand and he's going to get more carries than Fournette. He's going to get the touchdown. But to have the guts to start Ronald Jones knowing what is going on in Tampa with Fournette 
there as a presence and obviously having a good game in this one. LaShawn McCoy getting passing game work. You're going to have to be pretty gutsy or have had some pretty bad injuries um, to be willing to start Ronald Jones. So I think he's an RB3 right now. Um, He's put up back-to-back solid performances of 10-plus PPR fantasy points, but I think it is similar to last season with Ronald Jones. You're hoping for 10 to 12 carries. He gets, you know, 40, 50 yards, a catch or two, and falls into the end zone. I do think Leonard Fournette has a bit more upside. The the 12 carries for 103 yards and two touchdowns in this game were great to see, but what was, what was possibly better to see was the receiving work. I know he wasn't very efficient with it, but five targets in this game. So Leonard Fournette, I think, is a much safer play. And, Steph, we were talking about this before we started recording here. I think Ronald Jones is an RB3 rest of the season, so he's not going to kill you. He's a plug-and-play guy. Uh, might have some big weeks with some touchdowns. And I think Leonard Fournette's an RB2. He's going to have disappointing weeks where Ronald Jones gets the hot hand, falls into the end zone. But I think Leonard Fournette has more upside. I think he's going to get a little bit more work. And I think it is a 1A, 1B situation with LaShawn McCoy, unfortunately, still coming in for passing down. So I'm not hyping all aboard the Leonard Fournette hype train just yet. But if you invested in Leonard Fournette pre or post Buccaneer, you certainly are happy to see him have a big game in this one um, because I think this was the game he needed to get more involved in this offense. I think you are like a your 60 Fournette, 40 Ronald Jones. I'm more 70, 30. I, I think Fournette would just – like we haven't seen a breakaway run like Fournette had from Ronald Jones. And it's like if they are going to be the hot hand, if they think of themselves – We did last year and in week one. So I mean, it's not like a 70-yard run, but Ronald Jones – I talked about this in my fantasy film room, had more 20-plus yard runs last year than Zeke on like 150 less carries. He had a really big play in week one as well. Jones just has some inconsistency, though. Sometimes he gets in there and he just runs right into the right guard where he's not like a you know run at five yards every play guy like Leonard Fournette, like keep plunging forward, keep you know getting a good um, down and distance, four second down, four third down, and he obviously had the big run in this one, but anyone could have ran through that whole stuff, and Ronald Jones, I think, is faster than Leonard Fournette, so he would have done the same exact thing, um, but it's just a different dynamic for Ronald Jones. He needs to be more consistent with his running. The touchdown he had in this game was actually great. Bounced it to the outside, stiff-armed the defender straight into the ground for um, the touchdown, so I think he's still going to have some dynamic plays, just two different runners, and we can continue to have this debate as the season <laughs> goes love it. on. It, it um, has not. I'm stopped. sure it's not going to stop. It's not going to. And <laughs> I, I like they don't make him like Fournette. Man, Fournette is just massive, but he also has receiving he's chops, and he also has breakaway speed. It's just it is almost like a thunder and lightning approach, as much as we don't want it to be in that backfield. I'm firing up Leonard Fournette in week three until probably week five when it's going to be Ronald Jones again. But let's move on here to a pretty gross game uh, with a lot of injuries on both sides. San Francisco 49ers beat the New York Jets 31-13. to You and I were all over starts of the week and deep shots. I had a start of the week in Raheem Mostert. He had two incredible runs at the beginning of the game. Both were like 80-yard runs to the house. I think one was actually through the air. But then he went out with, I believe, is an ankle injury. We're going to have to monitor that for Mostert. But he's he's looking incredible. Keep plugging him in if he's out there. Uh, and then Jarek McKinnon, 25.7 yards per attempt. Three carries for 77 yards and a Casual. touchdown on the ground. Uh, even They gave it to him on like a third and 31, and he ended up making an incredible play with it. That was more like, hey, we're just going to hand it off up the middle. Uh, just run out the clock here, but he ended up getting the first down for him, and then he did see one target. So not the passing work that we expected from McKinnon, but if you did plug him in, you're probably pretty happy with that. Um, we were both calling it because the matchup was so, so juicy. 
We'll see how this backfield ends up shaking out, but if Mostert is out, I'm fine plugging in McKinnon as an RB2 or a flex option. Uh, and next week, uh, we talked about it. They go against the Giants, so another soft matchup for them. Uh, Jimmy G is out. I don't think that changes a ton with Nick Mullins now coming in as a starter. He's a guy that apparently the, the Niners were hearing offers on during the offseason, but they really wanted to keep him around. So I think he's a guy that they feel comfortable with rolling out there. George Kittle is supposed to be back in week three. We did see the Jordan Reed pop off. So maybe that's your uh, your Kittle handcuff Whoa. there. Jordan Reed. That was an incredible game from him. Two touchdowns. He had some juice in this one. He really did. Eight targets. Caught seven of them for 50 yards. And then the two tutties as well. So Jordan Reed, he looked good. Uh, he really did. Like if, if Kittle goes down at all, and I think that's that's why they brought Reed in. They wanted a nice handcuff for Kittle, but he is supposed to be back. And you know, based on Nick Mullins' experience with him in the game, he is going to be looking for Kittle just as much as Jimmy G is. So if Kittle's out there, he's a no-question plug-in. Don't be worried about, oh, they have a backup quarterback. He's going to be completely fine. Uh, any of the receiving options you want to talk about? Debo still has one more week on IR. Brandon yeah, Ayuk's getting, getting getting ramped up. You don't want to start Kendrick Bourne or Trent Taylor. It's no. just, let's just move I on. I mean, let's wait and see. Yeah. Let's wait and see. Jimmy G, it sounds like, again, we don't have the load in on these injuries. We're recording this on Monday. But it sounds like Jimmy G might be able to play through it and if he is he's going to be a little bit hobbled nick mullins i mean he is a, one of the better backups in the nfl but he's not going to provide the same value for these wide receivers through the running game though moster we think he might miss a couple of weeks tevin coleman there's some concern for him as well um not just the 0.9 yards per carry but some injury concerns there with tevin coleman in san francisco so if both of these guys miss time jarek mckinnon's a start for me and sneaky play maybe it'll be a deep shot this week um, is Jeff Wilson. We saw him have some pop games last season, some big plays, and a DFS deep shot potential. More to come that, on that later on in the week <laughs> when we hear about Mostert um, and Coleman. But for now, don't you know? I'm not rushing to the waiver wire to pick him up just yet. But if you have Jarek McKinnon or if he's on waivers, definitely stash him on your bench, and you might even get a start out of him here in week three. Steph, I know we're supposed to talk about the no, Jets side of the ball, no. but I don't I don't think we need to. There's if you don't start anyone on the Jets, and that's all we need to say. Exactly. Herndon, hundred percent a cut candidate. I'm sorry I got you guys kind of hyped up hyped up for him. Looks like Logan Thomas is now what we wanted out of Herndon as a tight end that'll just get volume on a bad offense and these pass heavy game scripts. Just avoid all the Jets. Let's move on. Denver Took it down to the wire, actually, with Drew Locke out. Hurt his right shoulder. He's going to be out for at least a couple of weeks. We'll see when he comes back. Hopefully, we get some clarity as the week goes on. But Jeff Driscoll took it down to the wire. Pittsburgh won 26-21. Let's start with the Denver side of the ball. Corlin Sutton's now out, um, which is, is absolutely brutal to see. So it looks like the Noah Fant, Jared Judy show in this one uh, with Jeff Driscoll. And, and a lot of people think of Driscoll as like a – you know, conservative check down game manager. He is not. He is more like a, um, you know, almost like a Philip Rivers type guy, a guy who isn't afraid to air it out. He might end up throwing an interception or two, but he looked pretty good in this game and was able to give you some very productive weeks from Noah Fan. Actually had a, a deeper average depth of target than Drew Locke did. So he's taken some shots. Could have been the game script that played into that a little bit, but Melvin Gordon with Lindsay out, he's going to be a weekly high end RB2. Keep plugging him in. He had a very, very good game. Had a reception through the air that was incredible to see. Went up, just high point of the ball over a defender. He had 19 carries for 70 yards, uh, a long 17-yard run. So on the day, wasn't the most efficient guy, but still getting 19 carries. You love to see that. Royce Freeman only had three. 
Uh, and then, you know, we, like Noah Fant, he had a touchdown. So that's back-to-back touchdown weeks. He had five targets, four receptions here. Uh, Jerry Judy, seven targets. Actually tied with KJ Hamler for the most targets. Looks like Hamler's going to be that uh, deep threat option. We've talked about him as a guy that's more like a uh, a Ted Ginn type of name where if he gives you the big touchdown that week, you're going to be pretty happy with it, but not really a guy that I'm looking, uh, I'm rushing to the waivers to go pick up. Uh, I mean, anything else to add here? It looks like at this point, it's it's Fant, no question. It's Judy as a desperation wide receiver two or flex and Melvin Gordon every single week, at least until Philip Lindsay comes back. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Nothing else to add there, honestly. I mean, it's pretty clear cut in Denver. Let's see how Dr- Jeff Driscoll performs. And if Jeff Driscoll starts balling out, maybe Jerry Judy becomes an every week starter with Cortland Sutton out. And when Drew Locke comes back, I think Judy's going to continue to be um, a very valuable, maybe wide receiver two or flex option as well. But Steph, let's go to the Pittsburgh side of the ball. I think we got some answers here on the running back situation. When James Conner is perfectly healthy and active, it's the James Conner show. I know you and I have been debating a little bit about Benny Snell's role in this offense. And the good thing if you picked up Snell off waivers last week is you're not going to be debating whether to start him or not like you're going to be doing with some of these Rams running backs because it's going to be very clear cut. If James Conner's out, you start Benny Snell. If James Conner's active, you're not starting Benny (laughs) Snell. It's as simple as that. And James Conner is very injury prone, but we saw him go for 16 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown on this one. Had the long breakaway. 59-yard run. Yeah, 59-yard run late to seal the game. Almost took it to the house. And Big Ben, 41 attempts in this one, 311 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Deontay Johnson, man, he is exactly what everybody wanted him to be. That ADP was climbing in draft season, and for a reason, he was the one in this game. Eight catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown on 13 targets. Juju, seven for 48 on eight targets. We saw Chase Claypool have the bomb for 84 yards. Um, And outside of that, not a whole lot to get excited about. So, Steph, what are we doing here with these wide receivers? Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool. Uh, I'm not touching Chase Claypool quite yet. Um, Agreed. He's an interesting... Good for Big Ben, though. It's a good weapon for Big Ben to have. Exactly. He, I think he's one of those players that, like, he's going to help everyone in this offense. We'll see, maybe. You know, crazy things happen in fantasy. Who knows? By week eight, week ten, we could be saying pick up he Chase He could be the Claypool. A.J. Brown of this year. Who knows? Exactly. Exactly. So just keep your eyes on him. He did have that 84-yard touchdown bomb in this one. That was he just He's so explosive, so fun to watch. He does look like the build of a true alpha X wide receiver. I think next year we could actually see him um, being the X wide receiver with Juju still in the slot uh, and Deontay Johnson still out there as well. So I love the receiving core. And then James Washington, I mean, dude, just overall this receiving core is fantastic. Eric Ebron uh, had some moments in this game, only five targets, but three for 43. It's not a guy that you want for fantasy, but he's going to help the offense keep moving. Really the, the takeaway is Deontay Johnson, every week starter, every week starter. And then Juju Smith-Schuster, you already had him as an every week starter. Just keep plugging him in. He didn't get the touchdown this week. If he does, you're so happy about his game. Um, and we already talked about the backfield. So that's enough here on Pittsburgh. This game is uh, for fantasy. Like both these teams have a lot of clarity now. Talk about the Jacksonville, Tennessee game. Brutal three-point loss. Almost had Tennessee. The final score, Titans 33, Jags 30. But Garner Minshew balled out. Keep plugging him in unless you have a you know a, a Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson type name. If you need a streamer and he's out there, just get him. You got to plug him in. At this point, I'm willing to say Gardner Minshew is legitimately a good quarterback. The Jags are better than we thought. Jags, <laughs> Jags sure. are certainly better than we thought. Their next 
uh, four or five matchups are fantastic. They have uh, Miami here on Thursday Night Football. Then they play Cincinnati, Houston, and then Detroit, all of which I think are going to be high-flying matchups for Jacksonville. They were able to get it done against a, a defense that a lot of people like. I, I didn't think they were going to be able to move the ball quite as well against the Titans. They still were. Looked great. Are we worried about DJ Chark's target share at all? He hasn't been seeing a ton. He's been effective. He's caught almost every single ball thrown his way and had a touchdown last week. I think better days are ahead. Do you disagree? I think better days are ahead, but I'm still worried about the target share. You know, we drafted him to be getting much more volume than this, and I I do think better days are ahead. I think Gardner will start to lock in on Chark as a number one wide receiver. Hopefully we see some touchdowns come as well. Um, So I'm not freaking out. I'm keeping Chark in my lineup every single week, and I'm hoping for the best. But unless things turn around, I think Gardner Minshew is spreading the ball around so much that maybe Chark isn't quite – there with the upside that we had before the season but that can change very quickly if they get hot so a little bit worried but not enough to do anything drastic Keelan Cole he had seven targets caught six of them for 58 yards did have a touchdown is he a guy that you're you're eyeing as a you know a deep shot he might end up there on one of these segments here Um, he's been he's been consistently pretty solid seeing the most targets so far yeah not really willing to spend fab on him to pick him up just yet but he's in consideration for Deep shots of the week if you're in a deep league. I mean, he has the role that we all hoped and dreamed D.D. Westbrook would have last season. So Keelan Cole in this one, seven targets, um, really solid performance. And let me check on what he had last week. He had five targets last week, a touchdown in both games. So very touchdown dependent so far, but the targets have been there. And you could definitely do worse on waivers. So, you know, not dropping a bunch of fab on him, not using a waiver claim priority on Keelan Cole. But if he's sitting out there and he's available – Definitely willing to pick him up if you get in an incredible pinch um, on Sunday. Yeah, 45 pass attempts on Gardner Minshew, and he's spreading it out a ton. We saw Chris Conn. They're going to be in negative game scripts all year, so I think some of these auxiliary op- auxiliary options for Jacksonville could end up having value. It's going to be hit or miss, but you're going to see games from Keelan Cole, from LaVisca Chenault. Uh, they're going to have fantasy value on given weeks. You're not really going to know when it's going to come, but the volume is going to be there for Gardner Minshew, so those guys will have value. Um, it's just going to be a bit inconsistent. Chenault is the ultimate stash name for me. He looks legitimately great, both as a runner and a receiver. Was making high point catches, has a super wide catch radius, and be, like he has a running back skill set that makes him a yards after the catch machine as a receiver as well. He looked comfortable lining up in the backfield. I think the guy could like Chenault could legit play running back in this league. Um, saw a lot of exotic like gadget snaps had 7.4 yards per attempt on five rushes so I like Chanel as a long-term name I think he'll have some blow-up weeks could be a guy that we're starting later and then let's talk about James Robinson I plugged him in everywhere this week and I was so happy with how it came out he started the game looking pretty rough 10 attempts for 29 yards to start he just got better I'm excited by his vision his explosiveness hit 16 carries for 102 yards and a touchdown. He also caught three of four targets for 18 yards. So he's one of those, like, just weekly plug him in. He's going to get the volume. If he gets the touchdown, that's where you get all the upside from. Could even see two touchdowns, which is how often he's getting fed on the ground. He is their workhorse running back. Uh, so I think you plug him in every week. He has a high floor and the slight passing work baseline. I'm probably going to flex him in some situations where I, I have two other solid starting running backs and I have James Robinson. I'm willing to plug him in because that running back usage is much more predictable than a wide receiver. And worst case scenario, he gets me, you know, 10 to 12 just off that safe volume. Yeah, I'm with you. You plug in James Robinson until further notice, until, unless you have two elite options. I mean, yeah, I'd take him over Tariq Cohen, who we mentioned earlier. I'd take him over oh, yeah. 
Daryl Henderson or Malcolm Brown. Uh, I'll take him over. I hate to say this, Steph, but I might take him over Ronald Jones right now. Oh, I, I've taken him way over all those names. Yeah, he has a secure role, and this one might be a hot take. I might consider James Robinson over Mark Ingram. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely will because he's a three-down workhorse back. That is not what Mark Ingram is. Ingram is you're getting 12 touches, hope one goes for a touchdown. So I'm all over James Robinson. Uh, if you grabbed him, congratulations. He's going to be a every week starter, um, especially over the next four weeks with these soft matchups. Let's talk about the Titans. Derrick Henry, pretty disappointing. You're you're keeping him. You're plugging him in every week. You know, you're not selling Henry. He had 25 carries in this game. He had a couple targets, didn't come up with either of them. This was a heavier uh, passing game script for the Titans than we're used to seeing. So don't want to add a lot of commentary on Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill, fantastic game, four touchdowns, but it was with the low volume we're used to seeing. 18 for 24, 239 yards and four touchdowns. So Four touchdowns. Tannehill is back like he never left, 145.7 passer rating in this game. It's back to the whole conversation of can he keep up this efficiency for the whole season with Derrick Henry. Maybe he can because, you know, he can pass it in um, good situations where they're stacking the box, they're selling out to stop the run. Steph, let's touch really quickly on these Tennessee receiving options. A.J. Brown's hurt, so no takeaways there. If he's back and he's healthy, you're playing A.J. Brown. And, uh, yeah, I was going to say, outside of that, to me, it's Johnny Smith and Johnny Smith only. Yeah. I'm still not in on Corey Davis. Three catches for 36 yards and a touchdown. But, uh, you know, A.J. Brown's going to be back, so Corey Davis – I think it's still just a flash in the pan until further notice. And if he puts up a couple more big weeks, maybe that changes. I'm still out on Corey Davis. I'm in on Johnny Smith, and I'm willing to start him every week. Let's talk about the Buffalo-Miami game. We won't spend too much time on it, but Josh Allen cooked. He was the QB3 on the he week, did. 34 fantasy points. This is now back-to-back games where we've seen Josh Allen absolutely go off. And really, he only rushed the ball four times for 18 yards. But threw the ball 35 times, 24 completions for 417 yards and four touchdowns. 400 yards for Josh <laughs> Allen. Like, if, if you told me that before this season, I would have said, you're high as hell. Because there's just no way Josh Allen has the capacity to throw for 400 yards. But who knew that you give an inaccurate quarterback, one of the best route runners in the league, in Stephon Diggs, and he's going to get better. So, uh, you keep starting keep starting Josh Allen the matchups do get a little bit harder as the year goes on I would be looking to sell him uh high if you can a little bit later on in the year but for now just keep plugging him in you probably got you know you gave a mid-round pick for him so you're getting that value out of him now while the the schedule is great uh Diggs for you is he a weekly starter easy easy weekly starter he proved why in this game had a big game in week one eight for 86 on nine targets in this game 13 targets eight for 153 and a touchdown we didn't know that the consistency and the volume would be there in Buffalo. I know Josh Allen is cooking right now, so keep an eye on it. But, man, Diggs is a starter until further notice. They're featuring him in this offense. He's the clear one. Josh Allen's taking strides forward with a number one talented wide receiver. So Diggs is an easy start for me moving forward. And looking at John Brown, I was kind of out on him before the year, but back-to-back -back good games for John Brown. Four catches for 82 yards and a touchdown in this one after – um, six catches for 70 yards and a touchdown in the first game. So if Josh Allen keeps throwing for this kind of volume, both Stephon Diggs and John Brown are going to be extremely valuable from, for where you got them in drafts. Now, I don't think the volume is going to stay this high for, for Josh Allen, you know, four touchdowns and 400-plus yards. But it looks like even if that comes down to the mean, both Diggs and John Brown have carved out nice roles for themselves in this offense. So Diggs is an every-week start. Brown is more matchup-dependent, but someone who you can flex on a week-in, week-out basis. 
on the ground, it was a pretty much a 50-50 split between Singletary and Moss. These are guys that, like, if I had to pick one, probably Singletary Tough. and PPR. Moss is probably going to see goal line usage, but in this game, both were pretty pretty irrelevant. Um, trying to avoid them if I can. Um, this is going to be the first test. In week three, the Bills play the LA Rams. And this is where we're going to learn a lot about this team. Are they going to end up passing for the rest of the year? If they are, it's going to be a lot to like from the passing game. Uh, if they're going to go back to that more ground and pound team in a competitive game script, then we could end up getting more value out of Moss or Singletary, uh, maybe even both, depending on how this game goes. So a lot to learn here from week three in Buffalo. So far, so good for Josh Allen and the boys. Let's talk about the Miami side. Not a ton to talk about here. Mike Gusecki's back. So Holy if you were cow. let down by Gusecki in week one, he showed what he can do in this game. Devontae Parker looks like he shook off that that hamstring injury. He had a very nice game in this one, five for 53 and a touchdown on eight targets. Preston Williams, very disappointing. Tredavious White did shadow him for most of the game, so I wouldn't cut him just yet, but he's on the, he's on the chopping block for me. Like, if he has another bad game, I'm willing to cut him. But for now, I'll give him one more chance. Fitzpatrick did Fitzpatrick things, 300-plus <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. Running back situation is really interesting, Steph. It's Jordan weird. Howard, five carries for four yards and a touchdown. Matt Breda not seeing a ton of volume, seven carries. Miles Gaskin, seven carries, but he got some receiving work. So, I honestly, I'm trying to stay away from all of these guys. If I had to pick one, it, it, this doesn't feel great, but I'd pick Miles Gaskin. <laughs> but in yeah. a perfect world, I'm not coming anywhere close to any of them. Yeah, just avoid Avoid, avoid, avoid. It's going to be like a four-headed monster at this point. Maybe as the season goes on, we'll see if one of them kind of, you know, breaks ahead of the pack. But it looks like Howard's like a goal line back, and then Gaskin's kind of everything else, and then Matt Breed is a third down back. It's, it's just weird. Uh, just avoid at all costs. Jordan Howard is putting up a very interesting season. In week one, eight carries for seven yards in a touchdown. <laughs> in week two, five carries for four yards in a touchdown. Oh, so this dude's repping – 13 carries for 11 yards and two touchdowns. That is the LeGarrette Blunt stat line of 2020. Oh, but, Steph, I don't want to spend too much time on Miami. Let's go ahead and move on to a game I'm much more excited to talk about. Colts 28, Minnesota Vikings 11. The Vikings looked like an absolute dumpster fire in this game. I don't know what happened, but this defense is terrible. They might be a defense you're targeting for your fantasy football offensive yes. players. Kirk Cousins. 11 for 26 for 113 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, a QBR of 9.3. That's awful. That is brutal. So, you know, until the until the Vikings turn it around, I mean, you're plugging in Dalvin Cook each and every week. I think you got to keep starting Adam Thielen. I'm avoiding Kirk Cousins as a streamer at all costs, and there's no one else on the Vikings side of the ball I'm touching. Yep. On the cold side, Steph, a lot more to break down. Rivers didn't have a great game, probably still not in streaming consideration. Jonathan Taylor gave us what we wanted, though. 26 carries, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Had a couple receptions as well. Steph, I mean, Naheem Hines was non-existent in this game. Jonathan Taylor had a great game. And then the receiving option, options were a little bit concerning as well. Paris Campbell went down with an injury. Avoided the ACL, but sounds like he will miss some time. And then Mo Alley-Cox with a breakout game. Weird one here for the Colts in the box score, Steph. Let's get outside of the box score and see what we can take away from this one from a fantasy football perspective. What are we doing with these Colts players? Well, Jonathan Taylor is an every week starter, just solidified RB1. RB1 rest of season. RB1 rest Top of season. Guy. 28 total touches in this game, 26 rushes in a winning game script, and then two receptions uh, as well. Still getting a ton of pass volume, uh, which has been great to see for him. Um, he had 
six receptions his first week, two in the second. So he's just he's literally just a three down workhorse back. Plug him in every single week. Don't question it. He's going to be fantastic. If you drafted him third, fourth round, you're probably pretty happy with it. Naheem Hines, like kind of just became what he has been his whole career, which is this just you know a scat back that will have good games in the right game script, but you're never going to know when to start him. I'm avoiding him. He's he's probably a borderline cut candidate for me. Jordan Wilkins came in in this game. That was more like, hey, we're up a ton. Let's just feed our running backs. Give Jonathan Taylor a break after after rushing the ball 25 times already. Uh, most of his touches did come in the fourth quarter. And in the passing game, really tough to see for Paris Campbell. Looks like he's going to miss the rest of the season. Just took a helmet to the knee. Just extremely unfortunate. Was one of those guys that uh, we lost on this injury Sunday. I, I was expecting big things from Paris Campbell, but I guess that now just goes to Michael Pittman, who saw six targets, had four receptions and 37 yards. He's not a big waiver name for me, but definitely got to keep an eye on. T.Y. Hilton, I'm kind of concerned. Five targets for three receptions and 28 yards. We talked about Mo Alley-Cox. I don't think there's anything else to break down there. That's kind of just like an outlier week to me. If Jack Doyle comes back, I'm not plugging in Mo Alley-Cox. Um, but as long as Jack Doyle's out, he's a streamer. Um, but what about T.Y. Hilton? What do we do with T.Y. Hilton, Steph? That's, what do we do I, with him? If you ha- I like, don't know. You don't cut him. You don't sell him low, I don't think, unless someone uh, – it's tough. It's another hold for me. It's a hold, but definitely not a, a start while you hold him. Just keep him on your bench. Hope for the best. They do play <laughs> uh, the Jets in week three, so I probably will plug him in in a desperation Juicy. situation. But they're not building the rapport that we wanted to see between Rivers and T.Y. Hilton. We'll see if it develops here over the season. Zach Pascal was the one getting the touchdown in this game. So it's an ambiguous receiving core. I guess with Paris Campbell out now, there is a little bit more clarity. Now, it's just one. Again, we just got to keep our eyes on it. It was more like the the backfield was the one to keep our eyes on in week one. Looks like the receiving core is going to be the the one we want to watch in week two. Let's move on here to Washington against Arizona. There's not a ton to say here um, outside of a few takeaways. On the Washington side of the ball, Terry McLaurin finishes the wide receiver four on the week. This is before the Monday game, but he looked fantastic. Arizona won this one 30-15, so they were just airing it out, trying to come back in this game with the new coaching staff there, Ron Rivera, Scott Turner. It looks like this is going to be a a team that's going to be trying to come back in games. They're going to try to compete. It's not just run the ball with Adrian Peterson or Peyton Barber or Antonio Gibson a hundred times, no matter what the score is. So with that, Antonio Gibson starting to break out a little bit. 67% snap share. Great game. And yeah. looked pretty solid on the ground in this game. Yeah, I, I liked what I saw from Gibson. And, you know, 55 yards and a touchdown on 13 carries. Pretty solid. And if he continues to get the work in this backfield, I think he's going to be a solid RB2 this year. He's clearly the guy. He's going to be the number one. So if you took the late flyer on him before they moved on from Adrian Peterson, you got a major value. And I think he's a low-end RB2 for the rest of the year. And he's got some... Um, receiving chops as well was used as a dual running back receiver in college so he should start to see more receiving usage as well even with jd mckissick there i think gibson is still going to get his you're starting mclaurin every week and you're avoiding everybody else in washington except maybe logan thomas staff you want to tell me more about him no just he's a streamer he's a streamer. nine targets though he's getting the target volume Uh, I said it a little bit earlier, and it's been said um, by everybody on Twitter, but Logan Thomas is what we wanted Chris Herndon to be, which is just a volume guy on a bad offense that's going to be throwing a lot, or on a bad team that's going to be throwing a lot in these losing game scripts. I'm willing to keep streaming Logan Thomas. I think another Blake Jarwin replacement candidate. Exactly. For your exactly. Though one thing, yeah. one one last thing I want to say here before we switch over to Arizona, which 
I don't even know if there's that much to say about Arizona, but Peyton Barber only had one carry for one yard in this game. So all <laughs> that volume went to Antonio Gibson, wow. and he did have two targets as well through the air. So, like, just keep your eyes on Gibson. I'm not going to tell you to plug him in yet. They do play Cleveland, which I think you could actually have a pretty solid game against. But he's like two or three high-volume games away from being a guy that you can plug in as your flex or desperation RB2. On the Arizona side of the ball, nothing we need to say about Murray and Hopkins. They're dominant. They're going to continue to be dominant. Start them every week. Murray and Hopkins, congratulations. <laughs> You're going <laughs> to continue to be happy with them, I have a feeling. Steph, Kenyon Drake, 20 carries, 86 yards, That's two catches for nine yards. Drake, people are going to be disappointed with his performances here in the first couple of games. What are you doing with Kenyon Drake? Looks like the volume is still there. That's the thing. Actually, Kenyon Drake's probably a buy low candidate for me. I was already fielding some trade questions on him. And a lot of guys were saying, hey, should I should I sell Kenyon Drake for James Conner? I'm like, what in the world are you doing? No, you want to hold Kenyon Drake. He's getting plenty of usage. I think the big days will come. We saw multiple times last year where he's he'd have these like three or four touchdown games all come in one. I think we're going to start seeing those, especially with how explosive this offense has been. So far, Kyler, he's, you know, he, he feels and he looks like he's in full control of this offense, being able to to do really everything they're asking him to do. He's got some swagger this year. He looks he, confident. He really does, man. He's taking off, um, not timid to run at all whatsoever, like we saw at the beginning of last season when he kept, was coming in as a rookie. So I think that'll shift a little bit more, especially as some of the game plans evolve. I think Kenyon Drake will have some big weeks. Just keep plugging him in, keep holding, and just hope that uh, the game script lends itself to Kenyon Drake. Uh, dominating. But so far, Kyler's been the one stealing up all the, the rushing volume. All right, Steph, couple more games to get into here. I know Three we're running more. long, but we'll try to be quick. Three more. If you're still with us, we thank you and take a water break <laughs> or a bathroom break if needed. Next up is the Baltimore Ravens, 33, Houston Texans, 16. I mean, there's a couple of things to break down in this one, a couple of things that were very different than week one on both sides of the ball. But first thing I want to say, Steph, is this Ravens team, every single time they have the ball, in my head, I'm like, this is a field goal minimum drive. Every time Lamar Jackson has the ball, I feel like the Ravens are going to score. And I just can't say that about any other team in the NFL, and it definitely held true in this one. Um, you know, this Ravens defense is good as well. I think they're going to be Super Bowl contenders this season once again. But, Steph, let's get into fantasy football here you're obviously starting Lamar Jackson each and every week what I really want to talk about here is the running back situation for the Baltimore Ravens Gus Edwards with 10 carries Mark Ingram with nine carries and J.K. Dobbins with two carries after the two touchdown performance in week one Ingram was the one that got in the end zone this week and it's strange for me to say this Steph but as good as the Ravens rushing offense is I'm staying away from all their running backs until further notice. The only one that I would put in there would be Mark Ingram. I'm starting to think week one was more of like, hey, let's see what we have in Dobbins. And let's just give him a bunch of volume, see what he does with it. And I think now they're falling back to, hey, let's get Ingram involved. He is our our starter. I'm trading Mark Ingram right now if I have a decent yeah. offer. There's no doubt yeah. in my mind. I'm worried. It, he had the one wildcat. That was fun. 30-yard uh, run for a touchdown. If it wasn't for that, this was four points for Mark Ingram after he had like two points last week. If you can get anything for him on name value in this performance, I, he's a trade candidate for me. Yeah, now. I like that. I like that take a lot. That the design wildcat run was pretty fun. I think Ingram is going to be like, you're going to be happy with him when the game script is competitive, but I don't know how many times that's going to end up happening. And then you're going to give Do Dobbins and Edwards – 
Dobbins is like the garbage time breather back. He'll get a little bit more receiving work. And then Edwards is just garbage time on the ground. Uh, and, and, you know, just kind of like the filler option breather back for Ingram. So to me, it's Ingram. And then the other two guys right below him, just keep your eyes on it. But yeah, if you can sell Ingram for anything, do it. And in this game script, Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews just weren't needed. Uh, Andrews did have some looks in the red zone, in the end zone, but they went up 20 to 10 early. I'm not going to overreact to this one. I'm still plugging in Hollywood Brown on a I'll buy low basis. either of those guys. And they play against the Chiefs on Monday Night Football in week three, so get hype for that matchup uh, and plug Andrews and Hollywood Brown in in that one. But let's talk about Houston here really quick. With Duke Johnson out of the lineup, David Johnson had 95% of snaps in this game. I know the stats and the fantasy production does not reflect it, but David Johnson... 11 carries for 34 yards, so pretty inefficient on the ground, but did have four targets again. So back-to-back four-target games. He's giving you a, a small receiving floor here, but it's it's the Baltimore defense. It was a tough matchup. They play against Pittsburgh in Week 3. I feel better starting David Johnson in that that much matchup than I do compared to Baltimore just because I think it will be a more competitive game, whereas in this one the Texans just went down big early and had to fight their way back. In terms of the pass catchers, oh no, Will Fuller. Oh no. Gave you a goose egg, zero for zero, and he played fifty percent of snaps. Yeah, it was it was fun while it lasted, Will Fuller. It was the fun reporting while on it him lasted. was just it was weird. He was spotted being stretched out on the sideline with I think is a hamstring issue. He looks like he'll be out next week versus Pittsburgh, but I'm not really sure. I think if he's active, you have to keep plugging him in. But not one I'm excited about. He's no. He could easily leave halfway no. through this game. Will Fuller Are you out? No, I'm. I have to see a full game from Will Fuller before I'm confidently plugging him back in. This is the Will like this is the Will Fuller experience. If you've been playing fantasy football for a while, chances are you've had it. Great when he's on the field, but the second he gets hurt, he just breaks your trust, and you can't trust him anymore. And if he's fully healthy, like full week of practice, I'm willing to start him. But if he's limited in practice and things like that, there have been too many times where I've plugged him in, and this exact <laughs> thing has happened. He's left yeah. the game, or he's been in and out and playing like – I think he played two snaps in the fourth quarter of this one. So no thanks on Will Fuller. And his loss could be Brandon Cook's gain because Brandon Cook's had a phenomenal day, five catches for 95 yards um, on eight targets in a game where he was coming in with a quad injury. So as Cook's continues to get healthy – if he emerges as the number one and builds that rapport with Deshaun Watson, I think Brandon Cooks becomes a flex player, maybe even sneaks into wide receiver two nice. consideration. Um, to me, I'm still not super interested in Randall Cobb. Had five for 59. If you plugged him in out of desperation in PPR, he had you a decent week. But to me, it's it's Deshaun Watson who you're starting. Brandon Cooks, who is emerging. I'm out on Will Fuller right now until we see him out there and healthy. And David Johnson, I'm with you. If you have the opportunity, if I have him, I'm starting him this week. If you have the opportunity to buy low on David Johnson as your RB2, I'm fine with doing that as well. So two more games to get to here. Kansas City in a nail biter against the Chargers. Seems like the Chargers always give the Chiefs and Mahomes a tough time here. Kansas City (laughs) won on a walk-off what was it? Fifty-eight yard field goal from Harrison Butker. Butker, that was unreal. Done. That was such a good game. So much to talk Kicked about. Kicked it three in this times. Game. Uh, so final score twenty-three twenty. Justin Herbert ended up being like halfway through warmups. Tyrod Taylor had uh, some chest pains. Was taken to the hospital. Pretty bizarre situation there. Hope everything's all right with Tyrod. But Justin Herbert saw a full game of action from him. He looked pretty good. He looked pretty good. He's got ice in his veins. He has, He's got ice in his veins. I heard he he learned minutes before kickoff. 
he was starting his first NFL game, and he came out first drive down the field, runs for a touchdown. That was pretty nice to see. He had he had 33 attempts in his first game, uh, completed 22 of them for 311 yards. So over 300 passing yards in his first game in the NFL, one touchdown, one interception. Looked pretty solid out there. Had the classic, you know, first game in the NFL type of mistakes. Uh, but I, I think he, if, if he is the starter, I know they said Tyrod will be the guy if he comes back. I don't know how truthful that is. If Herbert's the guy, I think it's a benefit to everybody on this offense. We saw Austin Agreed. Eckler uh, return to Austin Eckler form, gave you about 19 fantasy points on the week, had uh, 16 carries for 93 yards, so 5.8 yards per attempt. Still super efficient from Eckler. He actually led the league uh, for this week in terms of most broken tackles with seven. Just looked great out there. Still wow. as efficient as all hell. Just give this man the ball. I don't know what they're doing. Giving Joshua Kelly 23 carries for 64 yards. He's he's really Crazy. become the grinder, the bruiser there. And both of these guys are getting passing work. So Austin Eckler had four targets, caught all four of them for 55 yards. Joshua Kelly had three targets, caught two of them for 49 yards. So almost the same receiving stat line for both of these guys. It just sucks because Kelly's going to be the, the thorn in Eckler's side. But as long as Eckler gets volume, whether Kelly's active or not, he's going to be great. So keep plugging him in. Don't overreact. So far, it just seems like Kelly's like the bruiser between the tackles. And Eckler's going to be your big play guy, your third down guy. And he still had 16 carries. I mean, Kelly's the Melvin Gordon role. Kelly's the Melvin Gordon role. And I know this was a high carry game for the Chargers. Eckler with 16, Kelly with 23. So it's not going to be... You know, both of these guys aren't going to be exceeding yeah. 16 carries every single week, but Kelly is in that Melvin Gordon role. He is that guy, and I think he's going to get some goal line work as well. So I like Josh Kelly as a waiver wire pickup this week. I like Austin Eckler as well. You're obviously plugging him in if you picked him up. And, Steph, I'm with you. If Justin Herbert's the starting quarterback for the Keenan LA Allen. Chargers, for better or for worse, for the Chargers, I think it's going to be a big lift for Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry. We were both out on those guys after last week, we were really low on him. But after seeing the game with Justin Herbert, I think the volume could be there. And we said it before the season, too. Season long, the best thing that could happen for Keenan Allen or Hunter Henry is Justin Herbert getting the reins to this offense early on. So we'll see. If Tyrod's back, um, it sounds like he's still the starter. I, I don't think that makes a ton of sense, but we'll see. Um, but you got to keep an eye on it. If Herbert's out there, I'm definitely bumping Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry up for the rest of the season. What Justin Herbert gives you is something that Tyrod doesn't, which is like you're nervous that Herbert could, you know, throw like sling it deep, like go for the deep ball and actually convert it, uh, as well as the same rushing involvement that Tyrod Taylor has. So when Herbert's out there, it just makes the whole offense better. Part of that is, hey, we don't know what his tendencies are going to be when we have years of film on Tyrod. I know he's going to be a game manager, but when Tyrod's out there, it's a little bit more predictable for the defense. So that's what I like about Herbert, kind of opening things up for all the playmakers for LA. Yeah, agreed. Uh, for agreed. the Chiefs. Come on, Anthony Lynn. Let the kid play. Put him Let in, the kid coach. Play. Uh, not much to say here on the Chiefs. It was, a, like I said, tough matchup. Uh, Mahomes still finding a way to make plays on the ground. The rushing yards were impressive in this one. People are going to overreact to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I don't want to hear any of that. He had the most receptions on the day. The game script was He's tough. Fine. It was a competitive game all day. Um, still looking for him to, you know, it was nice to see him get the passing game usage. Now we'll see him put it all together in some of these easier matchups. I think they're going to need him against the Ravens, though. I don't know if I'm feeling super comfortable starting him. We're seeing some rookie kind of build up still to CEH. He wasn't out there on some, you know, crucial goal line situations, uh, but still 64% of snaps. I'm plugging him in every single week. Not much more else to say here. Last game of the day to break down here. It was probably the most fun game. I'm a little bit biased because 
I was in a matchup coming down to the wire. I had Cam Newton and DK Metcalf to my opponents, Julian Edelman. Every time Cam threw it to Edelman, I was just tensing up, like just full adrenaline rush that entire game. Ended up pulling out the dub there. DK Metcalf, weekly starter. He's matchup proof. Chris Carson, I was pretty to see with him. 17 carries and getting consistently more receiving work than we've ever seen him get in his career. That's two weeks now with back-to-back receiving touchdowns, which we've never seen from him. So Carson, weekly starter. Uh, Carlos Hyde, only five carries in this one. You just, just leave him on the waiver wire. You don't touch him. Don't try to get cute. Uh, Tyler Lockett, you're plugging him in no matter what. Let's talk about the New England side of the ball here. What's funny in this game is that Russell Wilson absolutely exploded, was extremely efficient, only threw the ball 28 times for 288 yards, but had five touchdowns through the air, did have one interception off of Greg Olson's hands, just just on an MVP run for Russell Wilson here. But what's crazy is that with all that, from a fantasy perspective, Cam Newton ended up outscoring Russell Wilson. Newton finished with 35.6 fantasy points, 11 rushes for 47 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. It looks like when they're on the goal line, it's not going to be any of these running backs. It's going to be Cam Newton. You got to keep plugging him in. And this is why I'm taking victory laps at this point because I was all over taking Cam Newton late. He was the biggest upside quarterback for me. I have him in every single league and threw him out there week one. And so far, so good. Started him over Deshaun Watson. Keep plugging in Cam Newton. He is going to be the pivotal piece of this offense. He's If the ball's going to move, it's going to be Cam Newton, whether it's rushing or passing. Also threw a ton in this game. They were down. Um, trying to come back late in the game. He had 44 attempts, completed 30 of them for 397 yards, so almost 400 passing yards in this game. And then also had a touchdown through the air. He did throw a pick, but Cam Newton, weekly starter at this point. If you have him, congratulations. If you listen to me, uh, you know, we can both take victory laps (laughs) together, keep plugging in Cam Newton. Uh, In terms of the pass catchers, looks like Edelman had a great game. Uh, 23 fantasy points in this one led the team with 11 targets actually he didn't lead the team with targets as i'm running through this i'm seeing here Nikhil harry with 12 targets i mean this is what we wanted to see steph after the game last week against miami when it was an incredibly low volume offense we talked about it what do we do with these pats pass catchers because there's not really a ton of volume to go around and it's actually great to see a high volume game for the pats to see what they can do if the game script you know, tilts that way. Julian Edelman, if you drafted him, you've got to be feeling great. Eight for 179, absolute <laughs> wow. blow up game. He's clearly going to be Cam's number one target, most, you know, high value target. And Nikhil Harry looks to be the clear number two. 12 targets in this one, eight for 72. So Nikhil Harry might be starting to break out. No. Keep an eye on him. And I think he's even worth a waiver pick. I think he could be worth a waiver pickup this week. Look, I get it. This was a high volume game for the Pats. They're not all going to be like this, but. I think Nikhil Harry, outside of Julian Edelman, is the pass catcher to own. I'm not interested in Damier Bird, who had nine targets of his own. I'm not interested in any of the tight end options in New England. So if there's going to be someone outside of Julian Edelman that emerges, it's definitely Nikhil Harry. I'm out on, on Harry. He looks awful. He has, like, no explosiveness to his game. I'd rather have Robbie Anderson. I, I You know, I'm not I'm not trying to endorse Nikhil Harry, but he's he's a name to throw out there to stash on the end of your bench. Like, I'd rather have so many of the other guys we've talked about today. Give me, yeah, give me Robbie Anderson, somebody like that, you know, over Nikhil Harry, but still someone I think is worth considering. I'm going to let somebody else bowl their fab on him. I I had Harry. I drafted him in some leagues very, very late. It just, 
I, I, he's never going to be a good playmaker. Imagine if they had, like, really what New England needs is an alpha X wide receiver. Imagine if they drafted Clay, Chase Claypool or if they took DK Metcalf last season. I think this offense looks so much better. Maybe Tom Brady wouldn't have left because I'm starting to see why he did with the weapons they have around him. Granted, James White wasn't there in this game. Prayer goes up to him. Uh, James White, he, he lost his father in a car accident, mother in critical condition. So tough to see that. Um, I think he will be back um, and he's going to help Cam Newton and help this offense. I think he is a guy that you can start as a desperation wide receiver two or flex uh, or RB two or flex. I think we need to see it first. So don't go plugging James White in, in week three. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not touching Nikhil Harry. Somebody else can blow their fab on him. But Alex, anything else to add sure. here before we sign off? That was a marathon episode. We have Monday Night Football tonight. The Saints against the Raiders. I know we both need big nights from Kamara. Uh, any last-minute predictions? Anything you want to throw out there before we jump off here? Well, I don't want to predict anything because by the time people listen to this, you know my prediction's inevitably <laughs> going to be wrong. So if you're listening and Kamara had a massive game on Monday Night Football, I'm probably having a pretty good Tuesday. <laughs> or Wednesday or whatever day it is. If he struggled, then probably not doing so hot. So um, look, it's been a, quite an episode, a ton to break down. Hopefully we were able to provide some value. As always, give us those start sick questions. We're answering those all throughout the week, trade questions, all that good stuff. Hit the subscribe. If you've made it this long and you haven't hit the subscribe button, don't know what you're doing. <laughs> hit it right now, hit the like button as well. Um, but that's all I got, man. I can't wait to pop my back and get some water here because this has been a true marathon, but it's been a ton of fun. Well, guys, thank you all so much for listening and watching. Really appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.